Hello, darlings, and welcome to another episode of Upon Further Review. Episode 49, we talk about Sunset Boulevard, a down-and-out screenwriter and a movie star from yesteryear and their twisted, codependent love story. So sit back and enjoy, my darlings. It's Upon Further Review. Welcome back, everybody. I am Noah. And I'm Jonesy. So let's just do this. Let is, let's get right into it. Why was Sunset Boulevard on this list? Why is it considered one of the greatest ever? Do you agree that it is? Uh, I think it is very, very well put together. It's crazy because last week we saw um, Some Like, Some like a hot, hot, which is done by the same director, which by the way. Which was not intentional. <laughs> which, which I was kind of curious if you made it that way, um, which I'm glad now I know. But I think it's really cool to see uh, Billy Wilder do some like it hot and then something like this that is very gritty, very noir as Uh the storyline. I really love. Um, I love the characters. And in my opinion, I think just based on how this movie got made, it really, truly does deserve to be Mm -hmm. on this actual list. So. What about you, man? I would agree. I think it's uh, phenomenal. Growing up, I saw the musical version of this. Did you see the musical version before you saw the uh-huh. actual film version? Yes. Interesting. Okay. I saw that first. So did what did you feel from like the musical version to this particular version? Uh, I feel the musical version by nature is more fantastical, more uh, more of a fantasy. I mean, it still it hits the themes pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie feels more real than the musical. I feel no. like the movie had more weight to it. Gotcha. And I think one of the reasons that this, besides it being a phenomenal film that I loved every minute of mm-hmm. the reason it deserves to be on this list is this is what happens to aging stars all the time. <laughs> you hear about this whole illusions of grandeur way past their prime. I mean, Corey Feldman was recently on the Today Show doing two musical performances. And sorry, dude, but you have not been relevant since the early 90s. And he's still trying to live that life, trying right. to be in the spotlight and just bask in, you know, bask in the glory that was of the past. And that's you see this all the time. You see all of these stars who they're past their prime who just try and come back. I mean, luckily now there's like cable TV shows where <laughs> former movie stars now can find a second life. But well, man, there's a whole indie, the whole indie circuit. But back yeah. then that wasn't the thing. The thing. But man. you see all the time. I mean, and I just I think it's so. I mean, there's a reason that people in the industry, when this was being made, they nicknamed it a can of beans. Right. Is because it's very real. Well, Mayer, who was running Paramount at the time, was really pissed off at Wilder once he once they screened this. Yeah. Like everybody really enjoyed it, but he was just like, screw you, man, because he, Wilder really came at this making almost like a, a satire of the business yeah. in some form or fashion, you know? But yeah, calling out how it really how is. How it really kind of comes and around. You, I mean, you heard all of those different former silent movie stars turn this down because they found the role offensive. Right. Because it's so true. Yeah. Even the actor, I mean, she had given honestly, up. Is it really that offensive, though? It's not. 
You know what I'm saying? But it's like, the, it, I could see how their egos of being these goddesses on a pedestal back in the day as what movie stars were supposed to be. I could see them playing this role that's really close to home probably right. would feel offensive, but it's not really, but it's more of a shot to the ego. Gotcha. I think that yeah. would be my interpretation. I could see that for but sure. I loved it. I, I, I loved, I, I think I read that they did the voiceover for the narration later on. And I'm so glad they did it. That adds just yeah. such an amazing layer to this. Totally. I mean, the opening shot of this movie is so iconic, right? I mean, you have this, you know, the sunset Boulevard spray painted on the, on the sidewalk, on the curb of the mm. sidewalk. And then we have this long sweeping camera moving up where we have all of these uh, police cars coming and we find are we find a dead body in yeah. the in the pool of this like giant estate mansion thing um and i think for me it's such a really cool way to open up a story and then you have the narration yeah. of the of the character kind of coming through right over top being very um i don't know i it it's such a a beautiful um, rhythm to the story right out of the gate with the way that he's kind of narrating the mm-hmm. film. It almost feels like he's reading the screen, a screenplay yeah. in some, in some way, which I, it almost is, felt like dragnet. Like, which is crazy. Or it's like just the facts, ma'am. Right. Like it just felt so matter of fact, like, right. Here's how this goes down. Right. And it's very succinct. So yeah. all the narration has a very great deliberate um, purpose to be there. And I think, uh, smart for Wilder to kind of set us up in that moment, mm-hmm. which wasn't actually the beginning that he initially shot, which is even more eerie to me. Yeah, Not eerie, right. but it was really interesting to me. But I forget. What was that? So the opening um, was was eerie because it uh, <laughs> it, was, it started off in a, in a morgue with, act, with these That's dead right. people talking uh-huh. to each other. And then when they screened this, people thought it was very funny. So they were a little too funny, but it didn't really set the tone that he wanted. Yeah. So he kind of re- restructured the opening that he did. I did too man because I think this way would have been it hits hits it the the overall tone and texture of the film right out of the park at that first opening scene yeah and I I like it because I think it's it's all I don't want to say it's a red herring but it almost makes you feel like if you've never seen this before you don't necessarily think it's going to go down like this you you think some sort of you might assume some sort of crime or whatever happens or there's a dead person in the pool Mm -hmm. and very shortly on you're just like it just kind of you see her descent into madness where she was already there she's just showing him more crazy as time goes on goes on yeah that mommy dearest type of effect in my opinion yeah it started out like you know mommy dearest and then became like romantic and obsessive and controlling and it's just you're like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. what in the world? It's just, I thought it was a great way to start, and it kind of, th- I don't want to say it throws you off, but it definitely sets a tone where you're not quite sure what you're in for, but you know what the end result what is. The end result you is know how you're gonna get there. I love too, like in the opening, how ironic the narration is. Right, it talks about the guy that's floating in the pool, and basically the the line says, "Poor guy, he always he always wanted a pool. In the end, he got one." You know, some <laughs> yeah. of the some of the most iconic quotes uh-huh. that we have uh, in our kind of canon of films have just 
are riddled in this movie yeah. all over the place. And I think um, it's a testament to Billy Wilder and the screen, the other screenwriter that was working on this film, mm-hmm. the producer. It's just, it's so masterfully done. And it's crazy to me because I love how the, the dialogue fits the time, but yet it's, it's so dramatized in a way that feels, um, ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. It's some crazy way to me. I think, I think it does. It does feel very ahead of its well, time. I feel like we're, we're, this is 1950. So I feel like there's not a lot of films before this that like tell the story from the ground level mm-hmm. there. And by that, I just mean the movies beforehand that we've seen. It's very, very more fantastical, very more even gone with the wind was so romanticized. And this is like, so just unsettling, almost too real, right? Like it's, you're almost living it. And I yeah. feel like that definitely sets it apart. Even some like at hot, was fun and comical and all this stuff, but no way could that ever possibly happen. And you're right. n- you never forget that this is fake. Whereas this, you're watching, you're just like, oh man, like <laughs> this could all be real. This dialogue could have actually been said. Right, <laughs> like, right. You hear about crimes in Hollywood and the Black Dolly and all this shit. This is how it could have gone down. Like that whole right. like this is this shit's too real, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think so good on Wilder for doing this. Agreed. And, but I, I loved it. I loved and, – and the other reason that I loved, and we can kind of get into kind of the char- the main character, um, another reason why I loved the narration is he's – without it, he's not entirely that likable. No. I don't think. No, and I think you – So you need that because that's your guy. Right. That is your tour guide for this next two hours experience, mm-hmm. and you need – to have that connection. I feel like without the voiceover, you really don't. I didn't other than the voiceover where he's confiding in me, like Frank Underwood in um in House of Cards, he's confiding in me, so already I'm on his side. Whereas without that, like I don't really give a shit. He had a horrible idea. He was pitching to the movie studio exact when you just straight out asked him for a loan. Without that being as confident, I don't really think I would have cared. I kind of disagree, though, because I feel what they what Wilder created right from the get go is a very unique antihero. And I think what he did in the first act really well is is he built um, he built that character so deliberately um, to the point of there was no other way out of what he was getting himself right. into other than this thing falling right on his lap. Yeah. Cause there was nothing else. There was nothing. I mean, you got a guy that was three months, like he literally had nothing. He was three months behind his, his rent. Right. He was, uh, the finance guys, you know, where the muscle was coming to take his repo, his car. Then you had, uh, he couldn't sell his script. Um, so much so that one of the readers came into the office to said tell it was garbage. said his script was garbage, right? He can't go to his agent to get an advance of any kind, or he could have, but basically they told him like, but I'm not going to give it to you because this is kind of your fault. And then you need to like, keep writing. He's like, I'm trying. Exactly. <laughs> so get me work, asshole. All in all, he his only last resort was to just make enough. He didn't even have enough money to go back home. Yeah. To where Iowa or wherever it was, right? Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so um, when the 
finance guys kind of see him in the car um, and he speeds off and he gets a flat tire and he just kind of stumbles upon this kind of uh, decrepit estate. This yester world. (laughs) Right. And he falls, this moment falls into his lap. I mean, it makes so much sense to me that he'd be like, well, I get an opportunity to do what I really want to do, which is write a movie. I am going to get paid to do it. Theoretically. Theoretically. (laughs) But I don't know how much bullshit I'm going to have to put up to deal with this. He doesn't know that that going that flat tire was like the beginning of the end for him. Right. You know, so I always thought what was more interesting to that point is um, the monkey that passed away, which it feels in some crazy way. It does feel arbitrary. Right. But I, I think at the same time, what Wilder was trying to do with the, with that particular character is that he basically becomes her monkey. Right. And that's really interesting to me because now you have this weird lady that has all these millions of dollars and she basically had a pet monkey mm. <laughs> that's passed away. Oh, well, she thinks, right. So she thinks, um, Joe Gillis, who's our Here's main character, um, is going to be her new, you know, fill that void of whatever that mm-hmm. is. Right. And he becomes again, he was wearing the monkey suit. He's kind of doing all the things within that. And I don't feel that we would feel uh, the way we do about Joe. If we didn't have all those pre um, conceived things. Sure, happening. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying without the voice or I feel like you wouldn't necessarily sympathize for him. Yeah. I mean, like, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this thing in the back of my mind where I'm like, I hope even though I've seen it before, I'm like, I hope he gets out of this, but you know, he's but, not, but he's, I know he's not right. So but then I the feel like the I would have just, how's it going to unfold? Right. Right. Because it's like a, it's a whodunit murder mystery, but we already know it's more of a how done it. Exactly. <laughs> how done it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with that though. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that the narration was there because I find that this is probably one of the few films that do narration extremely well, but it makes sense based on one because of the movie business and how like slug lines and, mm. uh, narration is read yeah. throughout a screenplay. It does feel like that. And then all the action happens in between mm. those spaces. And I felt that the narration kind of filled that void um for us and it worked extremely well how do you think the actor did as joe i thought he did great right i did I've, i i believed every bit of him mm-hmm. in every scene there wasn't a moment that i saw him and i was just like i don't believe this performance um to me i feel like he was really living this he was really kind of like a down and out type of guy. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't think he kind of stretched too far. I felt that he brought a sense of realism to that character that comes off on the screen extremely well mm-hmm. to me anyway. No, I agree. I thought he did a phenomenal job. He's a good looking guy too, uh-huh. you know, very, uh, has a lot of charisma on the screen, especially as he's kind of like falling deeper and deeper into this, um, spell, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the same time, you can kind of feel for him more and more yeah. over the course of this story um, as he's kind of realizing that, holy crap, what the hell did I get myself into? Which is funny at the beginning how he, I feel like there was a couple moments at the beginning where had he really wanted to get out, he could have, but he kind of knew he was stuck. Well, like it, even with this whole like, 
how dare you go to my place and pay for my stuff and give me suits? I'm not going to wear this. Yes, you are. Okay. (laughs) There was never really. Well, because I think you got to, you got to figure what else is that guy going to do? Oh, totally. I mean, he, well, he knew that too. Exactly. But I feel like his Does he really want to go home? No. No. What's there for him? Right. Uh, Debtors. Like collectors. That's it. But I feel like that was, I just thought that was funny because it was like his last little bit of ego where he's like, I have to put up a fight, but I'm going to stay. Right. But I'm going to pull my foot down and sound authoritative and go to my new room. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she's a, I mean, we get introduced to Norma Desmond in a very unique way. With Mourning the loss of a monkey. Of her monkey. <laughs> While she basically gets a new monkey. Um, but I do, I, I Come like on, Joe, her. eat the banana with your feet. Do it, Joe. Do it for me. <laughs> I like that she, um, I like she's a woman that knows what she wants, though. Mm. Throughout the beginning of this movie, you know, she comes off as, for lack of a better term, pushy. I loved her. I love the performance. She was the, el- she perform this where she's the alpha female who's about as strong as glass like anything could shatter her into a million pieces but dear god she wanted you to know that she was in charge right she chose to leave hollywood because they don't make them like they used to but that's what i love about her character because a lot of times we talk about flawed villains but yet I feel deep down she knew that she had zero control. Absolutely. And I think oh, that's she why. she was well aware of that. She right, put on that's airs why she ended up having so um, her own, you know, having Joe be the one person that she controlled. You know, mm-hmm. she had the butler and she had yeah. um, Joe, which were the two people that that's she why ultimately she didn't was want him to. leaving because where'd you go? Like, right. I called for you. Did you really? Or, I mean, I'm sure you did, but I highly doubt you actually had a bad dream. Right. But you're just like, where are you right now? Status check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it freaked her out. Well, because everybody in her life's left her. Mm. Everybody. And she knows she's pushed some away. I mean, even the butler was a spoiler alert. Her first husband. Right. You know, but she pushed him away, had her fun with other people, brought him in with rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, Yeah. So I think but it's, she was amazing in this. Oh my goodness. Um, Gloria Swanson, Gloria Swanson, dude, absolutely phenomenal. And she's, you know, she's a queen she's from a former, silent, mm-hmm. you know, silent film era. She had given up doing movies and everything like this before this came around. Well, you know, what's really interesting about this particular movie is coming to the performances of these characters was that, um, Gloria Swanson, she didn't do anything in, after the thirties. So this was 20 years Mm -hmm. later. Yeah. She was bred for this part. I mean, they, they were looking at people like Mae West and a couple of others. Um, and I guess Mae West, you know, wanted the script to be changed. And Wilder is very meticulous on like, don't change my script. He's very protective, very protective of his stuff. Um, and so that wasn't going to work out, but, you know, Gloria Swanson kind of came through. She, they thought she didn't even know the part she was going to get initially. Mm-hmm. Um, that she thought she was just going to be some sort of, you know, supporting actress. Yeah. But when she came in and she kind of got into the part, he knew that she was this character because she played. Uh, she was it. She was it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that is what brought so much truth mm-hmm. to this particular um, film. Outside of that, you, you have um, William Holden. 
mm-hmm. playing playing Joe. Same type of thing. He had like one movie way back in the day called The Golden Boys that And Billy didn't initially want to use them. Right. He wanted to use somebody else yeah. that he kind of bowed out. I yeah. can't remember the goddamn guy's name, but he bowed out after going off on this thing. Yeah, they someone probably else talked him out of it. convinced Billy to My assumption have him do it. Is that they uh they kind of talked him out of it because it's like they're gonna talk crap about Hollywood. Yeah. And you don't want to be the face of that. Honestly, I feel like that I feel like that was the rumblings where it's just like this is shit about Hollywood. Yeah, like, dude, stay don't away. shit where you eat, man. Yeah. Basically is what it kind of came down like, to. This could have ended so badly oh, I, I mean know. they even shot it on the paramount lot like there was uh-huh. so much well i think that's why so that's why for this to be fantastic that's why mayor was so pissed off though because this movie is being made right underneath his nose yeah, yeah. and I, my thought was when i heard that i was like well don't you <laughs> get the dailies yeah don't you okay these movies yeah. that are coming through like you should have known that but my point being is that uh holden he he was in the same type of place. He got, you know, this one part that was decent and it was, um, okay. You know, kind of a good old boy type of yeah. part, but then he didn't really get much else after mm-hmm. that. And this was kind of like his coming into, he got a ton of really great parts right after this movie yeah. because of this type of performance. Yep. Um, you know, they were talking like Wilder and him would just sit down and just chat. And he just knew through those conversations that this guy was this character because mm-hmm. he wanted that comeback. He was struggling. Yeah. He was trying to make a name for himself. He knew that he was decent at what he in his craft, but wasn't getting the opportunity that yeah. he, he, he felt he deserved at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So you, now you have these two just regular people that are living these parts that they're actually playing. And I thought that that was so amazing. Um, And you feel every bit of that. And I'm glad that they allowed themselves to be that real in the performance. Totally. I mean, oh man, some of those, like one of my favorite scenes out of this entire movie is the new year's Eve sequence where he's basically getting invited to come to this new year's Eve ball, if you will. And it's just them. And the, the way that they build that romance in a way is so unique. Yeah. In my opinion, that you really feel so shows sad for her. Well, you do, but I think one of the things that you got to look at is how well crafted their relationship between each other was, mm-hmm. you know, just like on set, like on the screen. Um, and to me, that's due to, you know, their history apart from each other yeah. and coming at it, you know, well, kind of like this is both of their last chances. Exactly. And they left it all on the line. Uh-huh. Like everything was on the table for them. And I think they killed it, man. Yeah. I loved it. I thought the, the Butler did a great job. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do, but just how, uh, he was stoic, but he, I don't know. There was something about was him. Protective is yeah. what it felt like to me. Yeah. You know, you could say, you could get a sense that he really does love, mm. um, he loves her Norma, like you know? in spite of who she is, he sees right. her He's, exactly how she is and he still loves her. Well, I think too, he sees past all of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know, right. Like if that was her first husband, he knew her before all the fame. He's more protective because I feel like he saw, he saw her as how vulnerable she really is. Right. And that's why he wrote the letters. That's why he well, did everything to make her feel in some crazy worshipped. way to me. It feels like 
he, he feels guilty because in some way it is his fault. She is who she is because there's the scene when it all kind of comes to a head when we find out that he is actually Mm. her ex-husband and all the things that he does do. He basically said, I discovered her when she was 17 years old. Mm. I put her in my first movies, which in is fact, by the way, he actually, um, the guy that plays Max, who is, um, Eric von Straheim. Uh He, she was in his first movies yep. when he was an yep. actual director. Uh-huh. So the movie that she shows in her living room was actually her, was actually her yeah. from the movie, which is awesome. It's such a, it's such a, it, like you watch this movie, you're like, that's really cool looking at how yeah. all these pieces kind of came together. But my, my point was, I feel that he feels guilty that he's kind of created her. Uh huh. You know, and of course he's going to stick around. Yeah. Of course he's going to try to keep her in a, a, a comfortable mindset as best as he possibly can um, and serve whatever she needs uh-huh. because that's his way of being right. <laughs> you know, being able to, to say sorry, I suppose, you know, well to be super protective. Cause I created her. I made her the way she is. I can't just like bail on her. I have to make sure she's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So that was, uh, that character is rather interesting to uh-huh. me. Um, and there's a lot of stuff under the surface with that character. Yeah, because dude. It just it slowly they, rolls out. They built it so well, by the way. They built it in such a unique way that just enough. They they just mm-hmm. cookie crumbed it enough for us it's to kind of like fall layer up. after layer yeah, after dude. layer. It's it was fascinating how they totally. did that, and it didn't feel. It just felt organic. Yeah, it didn't feel did it. forced to mm-hmm. me either. I thought it wasn't one of those movies. Oh, here's another fact. Oh, here's another fact. Like it didn't right. feel like that. It felt like just gradually came out totally in a very organic way. And right when the moment needed to happen too, which is, yes. which is really, really which nice. is key. Cause sometimes I feel like you can find movies like this and then what will end up happening is like, they give you information. You're like, okay, well, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. Okay. Why again. was that put here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, message. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, blah, blah, blah. I guess I'll remember this. <laughs> okay. Movie time out. Okay. So here's the context. Uh-huh. All right. Time back in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, um, and I feel that Max character was so, so well structured throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately to the very end of the moment where he's kind of directing the news cameras as she's walking down the, Oh, that cracked uh, me up where she's like, so unique. what's the scene? He's like, Oh, the grand, whatever. She's like, okay, no clue in her mind what the script is, what she's supposed to do. And she just walks down the stairs. It was like, obviously this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I thought that was so funny, but that was. That was a very powerful scene for her. Like it was just, it was amazing. I just couldn't stop watching every little thing that she did. Totally. It just was so sad. Yeah. Like I'm like this bitch just off the dude in her pool and I'm so sad for her right now. Like. So sad. I don't even feel anything. There's a, bitch, for the- there's a bit of me that was just like, good for you, lady. Yeah. You know damn well why you shot that guy. Yeah. You knew damn well why you mm-hmm. did it. Good for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I was just like, I feel so sad for her. Come here. Yeah. Let me give you a hug. But I'm not staying 
the night. Like, I'm just going to give you a hug and I'm going to leave. Dude, like, I would have hung out. <laughs> I would have hung out, man. You would have stayed forever, man. Hell yeah, dude. I would have stayed forever. Like, I would have totally been a stoop kid mm-hmm. in that giant-ass <laughs> mansion, <laughs> getting free shit all the time. Watch her do Charlie Chaplin, which yeah, was hilarious, was hilarious, by the way. Exactly. Like, I would totally have stuck around if that was me. I'd be mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me? And I would have just been very honest with her, too. I would have been like, you know what? I'm working on this other screenplay. Yeah, it's with another lady, but she's already engaged in all that type of stuff. I like you. You're cool. You're, yeah. you're a cool old lady. I'm going to hang out with you, but just more let me experience. do this. You do stuff that she doesn't, that she even know doesn't about. really want to do. So I'm like, I'm okay with that. You know, <laughs> plus you're going to die soon anyway. Just leave me everything. Yeah. Let's, how's that well coming along? Like we Does can it, do, it, you know, we can do that. Yeah. So Why not? my, I was totally stuck around. <laughs> <laughs> totally stuck around. I'm like how many more years you got? 15. I can handle that. I can handle that. It's like, why do you need to buy cigarettes with filters? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who needs speed filters? This speed up. this up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At some point, I would probably kill her. You know what I mean? Oh, she fell down the stairs. Yeah, whoops a daisy. Yeah. <laughs> ah, ooh, ee, ooh, ah. Oh, my bad. Oh, honey, you're gargling? Roll over. Okay. Oh, Sorry. you're okay? I my mean, bad. yay, you're okay. Oh. Woo. Damn it. <laughs> it's like wild coyote. That's basically <laughs> yeah. what it's going to be. Wild coyote and the road runner in that yeah. house. Just loosen up the uh, handrails. Exactly. What's that sound? It's a mouse. It's, I don't know what that sound is. I think it's a mouse. Mm-hmm. It's, so just come on downstairs, honey. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Hold on ca- the handrail. Safety uh, first. Yeah. yeah like, There's a camera down here for you. <laughs> <laughs> she's all cro- ah! crooked. On- <laughs> she's all crooked on the fucking floor. And she's yeah. uh, well, they were here. Yeah. Someone going to say action. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so I would stick around. Fair enough. Fair enough. Man. Fair enough. I mean, what else? What other option would you have if you were in that situation? That's all you got. Yeah. Where is he going to go in that car? He had no place to go. Right. At all. Yeah, I don't even know where he was intending it going. He was just away from the from the people trying to collect the car. I mean, he was, had a good he had a good thing going on. Yeah, he did. He I, had a good yeah, thing. I thought there were certain things that uh, I kind of went along with, but like when he first meets um what's her name betty betty when he first meets betty he's totally like that's his friend's girl and he's totally trying to hook up with her totally like almost made out with her and the friends came who did not seem surprised that some strange dude who's not her boyfriend's mouth is about on her uh-huh. So the point, which I thought was a really unique meet cute, by the way. Yeah, I think the you know, the you got this this girl that in all honesty, in a movie that's all about lies and opportunity um, and fabrication and all that type of shit. You have this Betty comes in. You have this girl that is just the most honest mm-hmm. out of everybody. Yep. You know, she's very straightforward. She, she tells it like it is. And I'm just like, that is such a cool character to have in this world. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, she was very honest. She was very honest with her intentions and, you know, he's kind of playing, you know, uh, what did he keep saying? You know, I, I dangled the hook. Right. And so I think sucks for that guy. There's a lot of moments like you were kind of saying, that's tough for me to be like, Oh, this guy's actually a pretty decent dude or whatever, because all in all he was, he wasn't. He, really he was very opportunistic w- and very much right. about himself. Right. Which 
to that point, everybody in this story, that to me becomes one of the bigger themes of this opportunistic type of environment. Everybody is looking at you in a way that how says, can you help how me? can you help me? Mm-hmm. How can I, how can I get ahead with you yeah. while you're here? Like even the agent was like, oh, you're down in your luck. Go write something. It's like, you're supposed to be selling my shit. Right. And you're just golfing all the time. Right. Like I'm working. He even said he wrote like three things a week or a day or whatever mm-hmm. he said. It's like, what are you doing, buddy? But it's like, well, just just keep doing it. Right. It's like, all right. Well, seeing as how I can't help you, you're just shrugging me off. Right. You know, to your point. So, yeah, a lot of that theme is like, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. And she was very much she was the idealistic world. Right. So by the end, he's caught in this like. You know, this is what could be in, you know, in this fantasy world or here's what the reality is with Norma. Norma, yeah. You know, it's like. There was a bit of me that thought that um, because of the the love triangle that was kind of happening, my thought was that um, Artie was going to come back, who was Betty's boyfriend. Mm. Artie was going to come back and was going to be the one that shot him. I was like, oh, that'd be an interesting twist. Yeah. Oh, is this the first time you've seen this? Yeah, I've never seen this before. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I was thinking, like, that could be kind of interesting if Artie did come back and just thinking that he was cheating. and Because they were getting really close. Yeah. You know what I mean? And very easily it could have been misconstrued. She was in love with him. Right. And I think at the same time, you you can kind of – think that they could go that way yeah, in my oh, opinion totally. uh, i'm glad it didn't right. by the way but i was like you know that thought popped in my head i'm like ooh, is already gonna you know because you start asking questions or whatever i'm really glad it didn't happen that way <laughs> the way though that it did happen i was just like that was the one huh that was the one she basically just like calls for him she comes outside calls him again shoots him and then he just keeps walking like i'm not even gonna turn around yeah. didn't hurt didn't hurt that, oh. oh did that did something just bite me you know and then <laughs> boom shoots him again and i was just like all right i love when she storms into the room like you don't believe i have a gun do you and she storms in holding it palm out yeah i've been pointing at him like see see he could have just grabbed the gun from her and been like yoink but instead she's like see i have a gun right, right. there it's like, all right, well, you're not five. Hold Thank the gun you. like a woman. <laughs> Thank you for showing that to me. Um, yeah, I was like, where did that lady get that gun? Because you know Max drove her there. Yeah. How did she just get a gun all of a sudden? That was the one thing that I didn't like. It just kind of magically appeared mm. out of nowhere. You don't think that she's had it before? I don't know, man. Maybe. I just assumed she had had it before. But my my thought is, is, if Max is the guy that's trying to keep her alive and all this type of stuff, right? They took off all the locks over the doors for suicidal tendencies. And they let her still, he, he must, he knows everything about that woman. Yeah. You don't think that he knew he had a, she had a gun. Interesting. So my thought is, is like, did he kind of let it happen that way? Yeah, maybe. Cause he was getting jealous potentially. I don't know. But I think that was this all of a sudden it was just kind of there. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah that's interesting i don't know yeah i just kind of went along with it but sure i, I did but, too you but know, that's a really good point so that was that was interesting why do you think uh joe pushed um betty away and but yet still was going to leave norma because i feel that that is the only way we will feel bad that he does at the end <laughs> because he he knows what he's doing yeah you know he knew he played his cards a particular way um, I mean, obviously he was pushing better away because he knew that she, that they stood no chance. I don't think so. 
No? I really don't because there's a there's a really unique moment where when he sends her off, he stays there and watches her leave. And he is literally in my mind, what I'm getting from that moment is that he is letting go of the one person that he probably should be with. Mm. But because he knows that he's a dirt bag yeah. and that she deserves somebody better. Like he says it, like his best friend is Artie's like, he's a really good guy. He's going to treat you right. You don't deserve. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. That's what I feel like was why he pushed her away. Totally. And I think that's a good redeeming quality because he knows that she deserves better and he's mm-hmm. not going to be selfish anymore. And you, why do you think he left Norma? Well, for obvious reasons, like it's gone too deep. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not, he doesn't, he's, he's not. Did you think he was her. able, do you think he thought he was able to get out of it? Or do you think it was like, this is like the moment of truth to see how far this lady's going to go? That's a good question, man. Because, I I mean, he didn't flinch when she had a gun and she's tried to commit suicide. So it's not like she's above doing anything. Maybe it was like a bunch of, you know, boy who cried wolf type of moments. And then he wasn't really that afraid. She's gone to extreme. Well, yeah, because... You know, maybe he thought, yeah, she kind of slit her wrists or whatever, but obviously she did it for more for attention than for actual. my question, though, and this is what I really love about Norma's character throughout this entire movie. Her entire – it was all a performance to me, everything. So I start questioning – If she even did it. If she even did it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Because she's already lied about having a a New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Right? So why wouldn't she lie about having her wrist cut? Yeah, because even with her, when she would put on little shows for him, it wasn't so much. I felt like that was even, I hate to say, it sounds so stupid to say it was a performance, but hear me out. Because <laughs> obviously it was. But I feel like it was more of her trying to like put on a thing like, hey, look, see, it's not miserable being here. I do things for you too. When really right. ultimately it was to try and keep him on the hook for her. Right. She didn't really do it for him at all. No, not at all. It was for her Mm -hmm. because she wanted to keep this dude on the, you know, on the leash. And he didn't necessarily work because in the voiceover, he knew what she was doing, but he's like, where kind of where else am I going to go? Like it made her happy and probably made her because it made her feel like she got one over on him probably easier to live with at that time instead totally. of the desperate manic like don't leave don't leave don't leave mm-hmm. you know and so she's like okay good i can i totally tricked him into thinking it's amazing being with me well i mean i think at the same time that moment where she's um said that she's suicidal and cut her wrist or whatever that's literally the moment where she has him hooked oh yeah because he came back literally came back and then he kisses her afterwards Mm -hmm. you know and i think she knows it that she has the man he knows that he's gonna stick around a lot longer than he probably wants to yeah but he's willing to go with it for now yeah so it's still convenient it is it's very convenient he still doesn't have really much of anything going on the side quite yet professionally right so it made sense for him to stick around because i think deep down inside he was curious if this movie was actually gonna get made Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this could be his comeback this could be his thing Mm -hmm. you know this could get him work and i think also part of that was he was starting to be like Max where he was starting to see just how fragile she was totally and being a little kind of feeling slightly responsible for that because honestly, how could you not? Right. 
you know? Well, he, I think he did very much so because he didn't tell her about Betty because he knew that that would break her heart mm-hmm. and kind of throw her into a, a manic yeah. fit, if you will. So it made sense to why he was sticking around and why he was hiding information. Mm-hmm. Um, but was it the best choice possible? No, because ultimately it was the, the, the inevitable downfall mm-hmm. of the, of the movie. So yeah. it made, it made sense to me, but I don't know. Cause that's the point where that movie could have taken a turn. Totally. I feel like that was, I don't know about you. I feel like that was like the halfway point of the second act, mm-hmm. you know? Cause I, I feel like that was kind of getting you to the escalation and getting mm-hmm. you to where it's just, it goes from beyond just, I don't want to say innocent obsession, but like the stakes aren't really that high. Mm-hmm. And you kind of are like, oh, okay, I get it. He's going to stay for a bit, but look, everything's, everything's getting better. Everything's turning around. And then, oh, she tries to commit suicide and he is back. Right. And you're like, oh, got it. Yeah. He is, he's, a, he's staying. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I don't, yeah. Well, anything mm-hmm. else? Uh, I just. I, I just want to say again, just how well I felt like this was crafted. Yeah. Um, and I love that, you know, Billy Wilder is one of those where honestly, I mean, I've seen some like a hot, I've seen this as a musical, but I didn't know these to be signature him, but sure. I think watching them, you get this feeling like he knows the type of movie he wants to make. And totally. I love that. He just, He's very unapologetic, like, trust me on this, guys, you know, and both of them were successes, were huge successes. But even when he was asked about uh, the monkey funerals, like, well, what, what was she doing with the monkey? Like, you could tell he's just like, Phew. so he he told her, I think it, I think they said he was foreshadowing with, dicks. Yeah. Well, with Nancy Reagan, I think mm-hmm. he was at an event and someone asked him and they think it was just to throw her off. But he's like, well, obviously she fucked the monkey. Like Did that he was, really? yeah, he said that and he thought it was to embarrass Nancy. But even when, when they were filming, like he just wanted the funeral for the monkey, you know, and just kind of wanted to go about that. And when the set design was like, well, how do we do that? He's like, well, you know, just the usual monkey funeral scene. Like he just, he just knows what he wants. Yeah. And I just, I think that that's phenomenal. I thought that this was so well done and it really still, I mean, can you think of, movies that have come after this that this has influenced um you know what's interesting i was thinking about that one i i couldn't find a movie particularly besides mommy dearest a little bit but you know what show i think kind of follows this a little bit is bojack horseman uh, okay, I can see that. I feel like Bojack is very much her, and the whole world kind of revolves around him the same type of way, and he's always trying to get his one leg up, and everybody in that show is trying to be an opportuni- yeah. opportunist, and I think maybe not so in- intentionally the way that that uh, in, um, Sunset Boulevard is, but I feel there's things that are echoing throughout that mm-hmm. show for sure, in my opinion. Now... uh do you feel like this is, I mean, obviously we're cinephiles and we are filmmakers and we kind of see these films and try and make them relevant today. Do you really feel like this one still stays relevant to today? Totally. man. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think it does mainly because you can set this in any time, mm-hmm. any time. And it will still, it's the same type of story. Yeah. There's nothing, 
you don't need crazy technology. You don't need, it's a very, um, universal story. Mm. I feel about opportunity and what happens when you kind of go down the road (laughs) too far with certain things. Um, so I feel you can watch this at any time and it's going to still hold up. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, once, you know, I already brought up, you see this all the time in the industry of people trying to relive their former glory, but you also see, I mean, there's so many other types of movies outside of the industry that this definitely relates to just anybody trying to relive the former glory to extremes. I mean, you can even argue that, uh, at the world's end, the uh, final of the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Cornetto, the Edgar Wright Cornetto trilogy mm-hmm. is like has that element where like that dude was still living in his high school years and he wanted to relive all of that and just kind of be glorious again because he was the king. You know, and gotcha. you see that all the time. I mean, hell, even David Spades, the Dickie Roberts, for, former child star. It's the same friggin' thing where it's like he wants to be that. That's what he was. And that's and you see it with child stars all the time, which is sad because as a child actor, if you don't have good parents, this whole like you're wonderful, you're the best thing ever, you're handsome, you're so talented. Like you have no context of how the real world is if that's all that you're surrounded with. So when you get to the point where you're no longer marketable, especially if you, like once again, if you don't have good grounding, um, you don't really know how to act. Cause like, well, no, I'm great. Remember guys, like right. you said, I was super talented. Like watch this. I, I was great in the Goonies. Like, right. I'm the best. Admit it. So I feel, and there is, I love how this does. She is obsessive, but there is that vulnerability and it's just tragic and you still feel sad for her. And I mean, just the way those put together, I feel like that was just awesome. I mean, for, yeah, it's not very, you know, very, uh, intelligent sounding, but it was just awesome. I thought, <laughs> well, I love how, um, it's hard to find things that were bad about this movie. I in couldn't honest find opinion. anything. I've, you there know, was I, just the only, I mean, once again, him trying to kiss her at the beginning was like, well, it's kind of a dirt bag where basically the friend's like, that's my girlfriend. He's like, yeah, okay. Don't worry. You can trust me. Brings me to the other room, like tries to make out with her. Yeah. She's kind of going along with it a little bit. And yeah. It's like, all but, right. Yeah, but, I think it's, but still, it's forgivable. It, exactly. And it still works. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I'm okay with it because it personally. serves a bigger purpose, right? Because, because he that does, story he is so in the gray minimal. area. You're going to have yeah. to jump certain mm-hmm. things rather. You're going to have to move that relationship quickly to get to right. that. Those last few beats towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was okay with, with it jumping that much. Yeah. And it all overall, it serves a purpose because with him kind of having the not so awesome moments, I feel like it helps you feel a little bit more sympathy, sympathy for Norma. Or it's like, well, but he's not a Boy Scout either, you know, and all of this where. Totally. Yeah. So even though at the time I'm like, I don't like this. Seeing the big picture, I'm like, okay, I get it. What was your favorite scene? Um, it would, it would probably be that final where she's walking down the stairs saying the line that everybody misquotes. Mr. DeMille, I'm, I'm ready for my close up. Everybody flips the script on that. But um, yeah, I just I thought that was just phenomenal. 
Um, and I thought that that's like basically, uh, just in a nutshell, that's exactly what that character is. She is absolutely full of herself, but she's forcing her to be full of herself. You know, she is so freaking vulnerable and so just wound so tight and could shatter at any moment. But my God, she's going to make you think she is the most glorious thing ever. And you can see through that shit so easily. Right. I think what I love too about that moment is that she, no, she is willing to do whatever it takes to get her back in that, that limelight. Oh, one thing I was going to speak in a witch. One of the things I was going to bring up is I loved when they went to the, to on the lot. And I love that yeah. part where everybody did come up to her and they're like, Oh my God, it's Norma. It's Norma. And she had that moment where it's just this little bit of validation. They didn't where, forget about me. Well, because those are, that's all the talent who probably grew up idolizing and wanting to be her mm-hmm. where it's like, that's what, so sh- that's a little bit of tragic validation where the fact is the studios and the audiences don't care about her, but to her, it's like, Oh, see, they do want me here. Yeah, This is everything to and me. I thought that was a great addition just to kind of add that layer to it. Right. And the last scene is, is a mirror of that particular mm-hmm. moment when you have all these, you know, the cameras are downstairs and everybody's kind of flashing all, in the, front news of her, reporters. all the news reporters. <laughs> Ironically, it was the same moment, but for a completely <laughs> different purpose. Right. And to that point, she doesn't, I don't think she really cares why she's there, but she cares that it's there. She's back, baby. Exactly. You know, you, you know and you fast forward this on the other side of after the move, you know, after the story's over, you know, obviously she's doing, you know, going to court and oh, yeah. all these things, you know, she's in the tabloids, yada, 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 you know, and this hey, her name's out there. But, she probably you know, loves, she it. loves it. And that's my, and that to me, that's the beauty of that last moment you know because what do they say uh bad publicity is better than no publicity yeah. or whatever it any is. publicity is good publicity right so i think she really feels he, her name's going national again you know, right she is just basking in that right and i think you know having that last line that she has she's ready for her close-up mm-hmm. come at me Yep. You know, I'm ready for this. This Loved is, it. this is what I love. Mm-hmm. This is my life, even though it's completely skewed <laughs> right. point of view like, well. throughout the entire film. You know? <laughs> right. So yeah, man, I, I love this movie. I did too. The last couple of movies we've done, I've been very, very stoked on. Mm-hmm. Um, this particularly, it's kind of interesting because we're getting into some really unique tones and styles of movie making. Mm-hmm. What I do love about this movie that I didn't see very much in some like um, a hot, some like a which hot. I say you were more tepid on that than this one. You were all in. Yeah. Um, is cinematography was wonderful mm. within this particular movie. I felt like cinematography and like something like some like it hot was, you know, it's just, it was a comedy. So you can already see there's like, boom, 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 you know, it was coverage. Yeah, yada, it kind of cinematography yada. for like a broad musical basically. Right. Where this cinematography, I felt they were really trying to do something. I mean, that opening shot in the pool is phenomenal. You know, it's very um, surrealistic type of, um, visual for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that image alone just stands on itself. Yeah. Um, something kind of interesting was that they couldn't make, they didn't make cameras back then that shot in water. 
right? So what they did was, is they found out a, a couple of different things and they ultimately put a, a mirror down yep. at the bottom of the pool and they knew that they were able to shoot down at the mirror and focus on that. And there was actually some really interesting technical things to actually get that opening, uh-huh. you know, that, that iconic shot. Um, and they even had to build that pool. Yeah. Oh, did they? Uh-huh. That That's wasn't, uh, I can't remember the, the actress whose mansion it was. And basically they're like, yeah, you can use my mansion, but you have to build me a pool. So they did for this movie. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, cinematography was something that I really, I really enjoy watching, mm-hmm. um, especially like when you're like cutting certain things and the pacing of a movie. This felt um, very noirish. Yeah, and didn't it feel when you were in her mansion? Didn't it? Didn't the it feel darker? Like whenever they're outside of it, if I felt like there was a lot more light and a lot more warmth and a lot more like happiness, but mm-hmm. I felt like the shots in the mansion were so just like stale gothic feeling gothic yeah high ceilings a lot of old architecture i mean but i think that's the interesting point you know from an art direction standpoint they won an oscar for the art direction Mm -hmm. so they put a lot of thought i feel into the the art direction telling all telling a story about who she is right she she brought a ceiling from you know wherever she brought it in from it and definitely the floors felt like were she, certain yep. ways and the walls were very um, decorated with old antique. It looks like antique, even for the time it felt antique uh-huh. because you go into other houses and other things like it doesn't have that same type yeah. of decor. Right. And I felt like they did a great job kind of building the space to feel like she's surrounded by all of the old, mm-hmm. the, th- yeah. the humpers, the things that she the loved. riches from her heyday. Exactly. Um, and they used that in a really unique way, I think. Mm-hmm. So because she's not going to upgrade that stuff because she's still living in the she's past and she's terrified because she knows the she minute she leaves, script. she wrote her script by hand. Yep. Right. She had stacks and stacks of pages by hand and yep. he makes a comment about, you know, trying to look through her chicken scratch basically <laughs> i love how she would just like stalk him as he's reading what do you think Joe? Uh, yeah that's great that's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the best thing i've ever read i just have a couple notes pages one through 60 can we just get rid of those she's like wrong <laughs> like, wrong yeah nope no i need that oh, i love when he's like i just feel like they have too much of you too much of the star no no they want to see me it's such a big ego movie egos are all over the place in this movie yeah so but yeah man i i don't know what else to say about this thing it's it was was brilliant i loved it cool well well we did it i think so so we got an exciting and next episode is episode 50 uh oh! So that's a nice milestone for us. Ta-da. Of course, every tenth episode we do a counterpoint episode. Oh god! So this one we are doing the most amazing cinematic movie that an Oscar winner could pick as her next project, Catwoman. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she got the Monster Ball Oscar. She's like, you know what? Finally, I can get that Catwoman role I've always wanted. <laughs> She's like, now I can just have fun. <laughs> That's basically what it sounds Man, like. You know what? I got nailed by Billy Bob Thornton. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Actually, well, you know what, dude? All I'm just going to say is I'm just going to enjoy that cat suit. I think that that's probably what you need to focus on in this movie. Uh, just grasp you. onto that. <laughs> well, man. Well, we did it. Till next time. Till next time. We out.